Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, that was fantastic, day. by the way. That was <laughs> hilarious. I love that. How's everyone doing this morning? We doing good? Thanks for having us back. We were here last week. We're Chris and Megan Rhea. We are relationship coaches, counselors, mentors. We've been pastors for 20 years, and we're just passionate about the subject of marriage. And so your amazing pastor, Pastor Tim and his wife Lisa, asked us if we would come out and do a two-week marriage talk and just a series with you guys to kind of strengthen marriages. And I know this can be touchy sometimes because not everyone in the room is married. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you're single. Maybe your spouse has passed away. And I'm so sorry. I know a talk like this can create some pain in your life. But we also know that there's a lot of married people in the room and it's worth investing some time and seeing what the Word of God has to say about marriages, right? Amen. Amen. All right. I also just want to say the staff at this church has a level of excellence that's unbelievable, starting with Pastor Tim and Lisa and all the way down JJ, the team, Pastor Craig, everybody that we've met and talked with, they just do an amazing job. So you guys are blessed to have a great staff. You really are. So a few years back, I was in a coffee shop, and I was working on a message, just writing a message, and I was doing some research, and I like to do that in public sometimes, just get around people, drink good coffee, and as I was doing that, I noticed a woman I knew walked into the coffee shop, and she saw me, and we waved and said hi, and she had got married about three months prior to this. And so I go back to working, and the next thing I know, she is sitting down at my table. So I go ahead and I move my laptop by the way, say, hey, <laughs> how, how's it going? What's going on? And she says, man, this marriage thing, it's, it's hard. It's like a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. These three months have been really tough. She said, if you could give me one piece of advice for marriage, what, what would that be? Thought about it, I said, you know, I've got 30 seconds here. It's not much, you know, I can do, but if I were to give you one piece of advice, just one, it would be this. Work on yourself and don't try to change the other person. If you work on you, you will inspire the other person to change. So just work on you. She says, wow, that's so good. She picks up her phone and she starts dialing a number. I said, what are you doing? She's like, I'm calling my husband. Would you tell him that? No joke, this is a true story, <laughs> happened to me in the coffee shop. And it's funny because a lot of times it's how we think, right? right? We yeah. think if they just did this, our marriage would be better. And it's easier to see their blind spots and their flaws For than sure. to see our own blind spots and our own flaws sometimes. But the key is to work on ourselves. In 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible gives us a crystal clear picture of love. It says this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. And when you look at this, these words, these are all commitment words. These are all our choice 
to be patient. We choose to be patient. We choose to be kind. We choose to not keep record of wrongs. We choose to be selfless. And so once the, the feelings are not quite as strong, we, we make choices to have some self-sacrifice in our lives, work on ourselves, and love our spouse better. And what happens to a lot of marriages, we get on a crazy cycle. Mm -hmm. And we say things like, well, if they did A, B, and C, I would do A, B, and C. They don't do this, so I don't do this. And that's called the crazy cycle of marriage when we refer, we, someone refuses to go first. So when we start to work on us and we say, you know what, despite how my spouse is acting right now, I'm going to control what I can control in me and I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn and I'm going to do better. I'm going to make a commitment. See, it takes intentionality to work on our marriages. And a lot of times we don't feel like it. But we can't be led by our feelings all the time. If I was led by my feelings, I'd literally go to the gym twice a year. That's it. <laughs> so our feelings can lie to us. We don't always get to do what we feel like doing. And so sometimes when we find ourselves in our marriages losing that spark, that connection, it's time to really get intentional about working on our spouse, or on ourselves, <laughs> not our spouse. <laughs> that was Oops. subliminal. There's a little Freudian slip right, there, maybe. Right, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I'll take over for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so the three ways that we can work on ourselves, right? Not trying to change the other person. So the first way we want to talk about is to deepen our own relationship with God. What does this have to do with marriage? Thank you. What does this have to do with marriage, right? everything everything because we're made up of spirit soul and body and some couples are great at connecting emotionally other couples are great at having a physical connection but man when we put god not just to be a part right. of our marriage right but when he is the center of our marriage that spiritual anchor the bible says that we are a cord of three strands it's not easily broken and this is what it says in ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12 two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken triple braided cord. See, when you invite God to be, not like I said, like I just said, a part of the center, not just a piece, not just something we do, not just like we go to church, but like the center of your marriage. He anchors that. It's a cord of three strands. It's a supernatural tethering mm. together of your souls. And you know, I'm just a much better spouse when I'm spending time with God. <laughs> Full stop. No when comment. I'm <laughs> a wise man. But when I'm letting Jesus just soften up the things in my heart, because it's like any other relationship, right? The more you spend time with people, the more they rub off on you, you know? And you've probably seen this phenomenon amongst couples that have been together for a really long time. Weirdly, they start to look like each other. You know, <laughs> you've seen that. Um, it's the same thing with the Lord. The more we spend time with him, the more he just rubs off on us. 
the more I see my own desperate need for grace. And I'm like, God, we got enough to work on right here. <laughs> I don't need to try to work and change my spouse at all. And when we spend time with the Lord, we realize, like I said, how much we need grace. The fruit of the Spirit becomes more apparent in our life, and he transforms us. And the longer I get to walk with him like that, and the more accurate a re of a representation I am of his love, and especially that happens to the people that love us and know us the most and see us when we're most vulnerable, right? The closer we get to God, the, the more he just downloads his heart to you and changes and transforms our character. And the more grace and compassion and empathy we have for our spouse. And it's a lot easier to focus on each other's strengths and not weaknesses, right? Like we talked about last week when we're spending that time with the Lord. That anchoring relationship with the Father also brings a peace and a security to the relationship. And as a female, that's one of our biggest needs is just to feel that security in the relationship. And also, God's really tricky because it's hard to stay mad at him when I'm praying for him, <laughs> right? He softens. The Lord softens our heart. You develop a compassion and an empathy. And I want to be part of the solution instead of adding to the problems. And when it's evident to Chris that I'm spending more time with the Lord, it's easier for him to trust me with decisions that we need to be making together, right? You trust my heart more. And when, when we're struggling, instead of just trying to jump in and fix it, we can go, okay, 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 we got the Lord. <laughs> we can't forget that. We're not going to, everything around us may feel like we're falling apart, but we have an anchor for our souls. We have an mm. anchor for this marriage. We have an anchor that tethers us together that's deeper and bigger than the two of us. And it creates that spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy is, it's powerful. I remember when Megan and I were engaged, we were going to college, we were away at college, and we decided one, one day we were going to go and just spend about 15 minutes praying in the prayer chapel. They had a prayer chapel in a our school, and so we went to the prayer chapel, we walked in, no one was in there, and we started praying together. And we just felt as we were praying this powerful bond between us, this powerful connection. We felt God's presence, we felt his peace, and we were praying for our future and our lives. And so we prayed for about 15 minutes, and it was just such a strong connection. At the end, I went to kiss Megan, and before you know it, I was making out with her in the prayer chapel. I'm like, whoa, got to put on the brakes here. So <laughs> that spiritual intimacy is strong. So guys, you want to kick it up another notch, you know, maybe spend some time praying with your <laughs> wife this evening. Just, just a little tip. But you know, what's true is that when you, when you seek God together, man, the, the presence of God operating inside of another person, especially when it's your spouse, it's so attractive, isn't it? Like you see, I'm like, man, I see the Lord in you. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And when you do that, you get a passion for the things of God, right? You get a passion for the kingdom. And you can do more together in your relationship than you ever could apart. It's part of the reason that God drew you together is because those giftings complement each other. And it creates that bond. You know, it was so neat. Last week we were, um, we were here sharing with y'all. And I got to see John and Ashley Tedesco lead in worship together. And we had the privilege of doing their premarital counseling. And I, we were just sitting there on the front row like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Like, they just, they just got married, and they're, they're using their gifts to complement each other 
and bless the kingdom of God, further the kingdom of God. And honestly, at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about, right? Yeah. That's part of the reason that God drew the two of you together. See, it, it's a beautiful gift between the two of you, but it's not just about you. It's about what you can do together is so much more powerful than what you could do apart. And plus that spiritual bond, like what you were saying, Chris, it's, it's not easily broken. God's all about that, that prioritization, right? It says in Matthew 6, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And when we place him first, he has a why, a, just a way, just a way of aligning things, right? Like nothing else can. All those things that we, that are weighing on your heart this morning, all those things that you walked in here, whether it's with your marriage, your home, what's happening with your kids and in your family right now, the Lord's like, come to me. I've got that. I've got even that. Even, yep, that. Seek me first. All these other things. I've got it. I've got you. So the number one way you can work on your spouse, yeah. or, I'm sorry. Why, work on yourself. Why do we keep doing that? <laughs> the w number one way is to work on yourself and not try to change the other person is to deepen your own faith walk. And the number two thing is to invest some time learning to be a better spouse. If you think about anything in life, we've got to spend some time and money to get good at it, to understand it, and to do it. Think about a driver's license. You gotta go through driver's training. You gotta get behind the wheel of a car with an instructor. You've gotta watch videos. You've gotta get so many hours with a parent driving just to get your license. Mm -hmm. We had to go to school for 13 years to get a high school diploma. That's what we had to do. And we had to write papers and read books and learn and educate ourselves. If you want to get a degree from college, you've got to learn, you've got to grow, you've got to listen to professors talk, you've got to write papers, you've got to read books, you've got to do all these things. So in every area of our lives, in order to get good at something, we've got to learn, we've got to educate ourselves, we've got to grow. But to get married, you really don't have to do anything. Really, you, you get a marriage certificate from the county, you walk into a justice of the peace office and you can get married and that's $75 out the door with no training. And it's like, good luck out there. The most complicated relationship in the world, good luck out there. So we, we have no problem spending all this time learning how to do things. But yet when it comes to our marriage, we spend very little time learning how to be a better spouse. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's super important, is learn how to be better. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, the prophet Hosea, he was talking to God's chosen people, the ancient Israelites, and this is what he said. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And what he was saying in this text is he's saying, if you don't, read God's word, if you don't spend time in prayer, if you don't spend time talking about the things of God, you're going to forget everything that God has done for you. Mm -hmm. You're going to stop living God's way, and you're going to start living the world's way. And when you do that, you will be destroyed, and simply for lack of knowledge, because you didn't educate yourself to get better. You didn't pass things down. It's the same thing when it comes to our marriages. We've got to work on ourselves. I'll never forget, 
two years into our marriage, Megan and I felt like we were losing our in-love feelings. We didn't feel connected. We didn't feel passionate about each other, which was crazy for us because we dated for four and a half years, and we were super passionate and in love and romantic with each other. And then we got married, and two years into marriage, life happened, careers happened, different things started to happen, which happens to all of us, right? And our marriage began to suffer. We thought it would just come naturally. We thought we'd just be great at being married, but we found ourselves not feeling connected, not having passion, not having romance, just basically being roommates under the same roof. And so I started talking to some older married friends of mine. I just said, you know, is this normal? Oh, yeah, it's the way it is now. Just get used to it. But we didn't really believe that. We said, that can't be right, but this is how it was. And one day I came home from work, and I saw Megan reading a marriage book. She's sitting on the couch reading a book, and it was interesting. It caught my attention. I said, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just reading a book on marriage. Every day I came home for the next two weeks, she was reading this book. And then finally, one evening, she set the book down. She had tears in her eyes, and she came walking up to me. And she said, Chris, I am so sorry. I have not been what you needed me to be. I didn't even know how to be a good wife, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'll be better moving forward. And I said, finally, she gets it. You know what I mean? And uh, so from, the, from that moment on, like, then she says to me, she says, this is another level, she says, and by the way, this Sunday, you know, the Lions are playing, why don't you have some guys over and I'll make food for all of you. Who are you and what have you done with my <laughs> wife? That's what I said next. But over the next couple weeks, she was a different person. She was loving me, respecting me so well, and it inspired me. So I'm like, I got to figure out what's going on. So I went and got a marriage book, and I started reading. And, and you know what I found out by the end of that book? I was the problem, <laughs> not her. I was doing everything wrong. Honestly, I just had no idea what it meant to be a man or a husband in the relationship and what a woman really needed to feel connected and secure and, and pursued by me and understood by me. So I went to her and I said, I had no idea. I was doing everything wrong. I just thought it would come naturally to me, but it didn't, and I'm so sorry. And from that day on, we said, that's it. This was 19 years ago. We said, we are gonna work on our marriage every week, every month, every year. We're gonna read, we're gonna listen to podcasts, we're gonna go to marriage conferences, we're going to grow and work on this thing. And that's what it takes to have a good marriage. See, people think they've fallen out of love. They think that they've lost feelings, but really we've stopped growing. Mm -hmm. We've stopped learning. We stopped trying to be better. We stopped being intentional about learning how to be a better spouse. There's things about being married most people just don't even know, and they'll never learn in life unless they're intentional about growing. We have several programs that we've created personally just to help people do this. We have what's called a marriage membership program with the goal is just simply being each week we send a five-minute video, some reflection questions, and a couple's challenge. 
in that 20 minutes a week, we have seen couples just transformed just by spending 20 minutes per week being intentional about their marriage. And some people, maybe you're, you find yourself and it's, it's past just maintenance time and you're really struggling in your marriage. You feel like roommates at best. You feel super disconnected. You don't even know if it's gonna, it's gonna work out in the future. Let me give you some hope this morning. It can work. You can make love work for you again, but it's not gonna happen on its own. It takes intentionality. We've got to invest time and money into our marriages. Let's think about all the things we spend time and money investing into. Golf, fishing, <laughs> hunting, eating out, coffee, music, makeup, skin products. Oh my goodness. When I first got married, I didn't know how many toiletries a woman had, <laughs> and it's just really unbelievable. Alt is a very, very scary place for him. <laughs> yes, yes it is. But our marriages need some time yeah. and money invested into them as well if we want to have a marriage that we're proud of. You see, a lot of people think they've fallen out of love, but the truth is we've just stopped working at it. Yeah. And that's when things start to slip. So number one is deepen our relationship with God, most important thing. And number two is to invest some time learning how to be a better spouse. And then that leads us to number three, and that's to love your spouse the way they need to be loved. See, so often we love our spouse the way that we like to be loved, right? Because that's what comes naturally to us. <laughs> but really, we're all wired just a little bit different. In fact, in his book, um, Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman said there's five ways that people really give and receive love. One of those is words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, physical touch, and gifts. And each of us are wired with one of those just kind of being a little bit higher on the radar than any other thing. One of us just speaks, one of those things just speaks love to us a little bit more. And so many times we get caught in this crazy cycle like what you're referring to, and we're just like, no, I'm, mm -mm, nope. Somebody's got to go first, right? Somebody's got to choose to go first. Someone gets <laughs> to represent the love of God to the other person first. Yeah, see, not only do we have different ways we receive love, but men and women are so different. Yeah. And I want to speak to the ladies just for a moment about what a man really needs from his wife. A man really wants to be respected, wanted, and admired by his wife. Bottom line, that's what we want. It's simple and yet so complicated at the same time. In fact, in Ephesians 5.33, Paul puts it this way, says, So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So it's interesting there that he chooses to use the word love when talking what a man needs to do for a woman, but he chooses to use the word respect for what a woman needs to do for a man because respect, admiration, feeling needed and wanted are so crucial for us. Yeah. See, a lot of men, they go to work 
and they're literally doing work that changes the world. They're hustling, they're inventing, they're figuring out problems, they're breaking their back, doing manual labor, they're running businesses, they're doing all these things. And at work, they're admired, and at work, they're respected. And they come home to their, their house, and they're not met with that same respect. And it almost becomes a place they don't really wanna be because they don't feel like they're respected and admired there. And the one person on the planet we want to feel respected by and we want to feel admired by is our wife. That's the one person we want to look at us like we are a superhero in your eyes. You looked at us that way one time in our lives and now maybe we can tell you're not looking at us with that admiration and respect. And some women will be like, well, you should know my husband. You knew my husband. You wouldn't respect him. I know, I know we can get in that crazy cycle, right? But sometimes this needs to be given in order to fix things. Someone has to go first. And I tell you, ladies, if you start to admire your husbands, respect them, point out the great things in them, build them up, brag on them in front of their family and friends instead of make fun of them for how much how little money they make if you start to really begin to build them up you will see a man come alive mm -hmm. he will be the person who wants to spend time with you who wants to lead your family who cherishes you and wants to pursue you understand you and take you on romantic adventures but it starts with respect See, guys need to, we want to feel needed and wanted. That's why when a woman simply gives a man and says, hey, I can't open this jar, honey. Will you open this for us? This does way more than it should for a man. But this <laughs> is like, what happens? You get that jar and you open that thing and all of a sudden you're like, I'm the man. <laughs> I feel strong. She needed me. She probably wants me right now because she saw my strength, wow, right? That jar. Right? Like I said, it probably shouldn't do all this to a guy, but this is how we feel because we want to feel needed, mm -hmm. respected, admired. We want you to think we're strong, capable, can protect. We want to know those things. We want to know that you still look at us in that way. We want to feel needed, wanted, respected, and admired. And when we do, man, we start to rise to levels we could never rise to without you. We really do. Yeah, yeah. Often we, we rise to the level of each other's words spoken over us, right? So gentlemen, I'm going to talk to you for just a second and tell you that the way that God wired your girl, the way that God wired your wife, is that she needs to be reminded that she's loved and cherished and she needs to feel like she's playing an irreplaceable role on a great adventure with you. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, so seek their highest good for her and surround her with a caring, unselfish love. The Passion Version says, Tender devotion, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You guys have a high calling, man. That's beautiful. You get to step into the love of Jesus and be that representation over your wife. And see, she's, she craves affection and romance, but that is literally the way that God wired us. 
you know, because when she feels cherished by you, it makes her come alive, honestly. And those consistent little reminders of your love, it does wonders for the security that she feels within the relationship. And it actually releases dopamine, like what we talked about last week, in our brains and causes us to fall in love with you in little ways all over again. And see, God, in his wisdom, he wired us to perfectly complement each other in this way, right? Because he knows that a guy is charged by the thrill of the hunt, right? He wants that pursuit. And when you do that, those little reminders, that pursuing, it releases dopamine, which turns into oxytocin, like what we talked about last week, and it bonds us together. And it causes your wife to want to come in and meet your needs in different ways, because we've just been wired to nurture, and when we feel secure and safe, and we're like, Les, let me come in, let me, let me meet that need. And your tenderness and your affection towards your wife, it makes her feel so valued. And it keeps her heart soft towards you. It boosts her confidence. Because your tenderness, your affection towards her says, girl, you still capture my heart. Right? See, the culture is constantly in our ears as ladies. Constantly, we're hearing, you're not enough if you don't look like her. You're not enough if you haven't achieved this over here, and if your house doesn't look like her, you're just not enough. But your wife, your, um, your wife to you, she needs to feel irreplaceable. She needs to feel like the only woman in the world, your Eve, like what we touched on last week to you. She longs for just her presence in a room, for you to be captivated by her. See, deep inside, your wife, even though she may look very different than she did 5, 10, 30 years ago, she still needs to know, I see you. I see you. See, the way that God wired her is much like that little girl thing that little girls do when they put on their fancy dress and they get in the middle of the room and they just kind of twirl, you know, like, do you see me? That's still in her. She's still that girl. And she wants for you only to be captivated by her. And there is, there's a strength and a fierceness in femininity that you as guys can call out through the affirmation in your wife. And this causes the best of her to rise to the surface. And when you're tuned into what's important to your wife, when the relationship feels like a true partnership again, and when she's secure and feels like a priority, you will see that girl you fell in love with again. That secure, confident, let's take on the world together kind of a thing. That girl that you married because you believe that the two of you together, man, you could write a better story than you ever could have heart. You could go on an adventure that you never could do by yourself. And she needs to know that she's still the girl that you want to go on adventures with. See, here's the thing about your wife. Ladies, I'm just going to tell them the secret. You're really fun. Yes, you are. Girls, you are fun. Sometimes <laughs> we just forget that we're fun because we have all these really serious adult things that we have to do and manage all the time. But she's still that girl that wants to go on adventures with you. 
And sometimes you just need little reminders of that. So there you have it. I mean, men and women are different. We're wired differently. We need different things from each other. And so I just want to encourage you not to hear what the woman needs if you're a woman and then say, see, this is what I need right. to your spouse, but listen to what you can give today. Yeah. If you're a man, what can you do to be better, to work on you? If you're a woman, what can you do to work on you? See, I believe, both Megan and I believe, deep inside every marriage still exists that spark. There was a reason you married that person. There was a reason you said, I do, to them. It's because there was something special there, and it's still there. You haven't lost it. You haven't fallen out of love. You can reconnect and regain it, but it's not going to happen naturally. See, we think at this point, sometimes I just fell out of love and I'm going to go start with someone new. But the truth is, any relationship will get to this point. Mm -hmm. All of us get to the point where we lose connection. We don't feel connected. We don't feel as in love. We don't feel the passion. It's because we stop working. And I know there's going to be times where we fail in our marriages, where mm -hmm. I treat Megan harshly, where I'm not the person that she needs me to be, where I hurt her unintentionally. I mean, we are, we've been doing this for 10 years, doing relationship counseling for 10 years, and we'll get in a fight, and we'll do everything wrong, like literally everything wrong, because yes. emotions are high, and we'll end up laughing halfway through the fight, because we're like, we just taught someone not to do this five <laughs> minutes ago. This happens. This is marriage. The stakes are high. Yeah. Emotions are high. Yeah. We're going to fail. We're going to mess up. Everybody does. That's where grace and forgiveness and redemption comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're always, always going to be in a relationship with a human. <laughs> yeah. Right? A human who needs forgiveness and that we ourselves need forgiveness. And we always have an opportunity to extend the grace when we default to what comes naturally to us because that's going to happen. But we also going back to that quarter three strands, man, we get to invite God to be the supernatural in our natural, <laughs> right? And he can do things that we can't do in ourselves and in our marriages. And the word says that he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask, think, hope, or imagine. That and that 100% includes what he can do in our relationship. So if you're in here this morning and you're like, I don't know if I have any more reason to hope or believe what you two are saying. I'm telling you, we serve a God of the supernatural who will be that third cord in your relationship. And you do have, you do have every reason to keep hoping this morning. Yeah, you, you have hope for your marriage, for your kid's marriage, yeah. for it may be if one marriage didn't work out for you, for your next marriage, for your future marriage. Yeah. There's hope. And we have a bright future because God is the God who is always redeeming our mistakes. Yes. This is what I love about God, yeah. is we mess up our lives mm -hmm. so much. But he redeems these mistakes and gives us chance. And we believe if you deepen your faith, if you invest time into learning how to be a better spouse, and you love your spouse the way they need to be loved, you can have a healthy marriage that lasts a lifetime. But I will tell you this, healthy relationships are never an accident. Yeah. 
They don't just happen. You look at someone who has a great marriage, I guarantee they're working on it. They're doing things to grow. They're working on themselves. So we want to encourage you to take a step in working on your marriage today. Do something for your marriage. Maybe it's reading a pod or listening to a podcast together, reading a book together. We have programs that we can help set you up on our website, makelovework.me. We've got this romance recharge uh, event coming up that your church is putting on just for you because they care about your marriage and they want you to take a step towards having more romance in your marriage, having more passion in your marriage. Sign up for that. Come out and join us that night. But do something for your marriage because it's not just going to help you. It's going to help everyone around you, your family, your friends. If you have kids, you're going to begin to leave a legacy of what a healthy marriage looks like and model that to them so that they know how to have one in the future for them as well. So we just want to encourage you to take a step today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I know that in this room there are some people who are really struggling in their marriage. I can just sense it, and I know that it's hard right now. Marriage is hard for them. And I just pray that today would be a day where you intervene into their marriage and you give them a, a glimmer of hope that it's, it can be better, that you can bring healing, even if they feel hopeless. Lord, I know there's other people in this place, their marriage is fine, but they're starting to fall into that roommate mode and, and the connection isn't strong. I pray, Lord, as life gets in the way and things happen, I pray that that step that they take would be the very thing that helps to draw them back into a passionate connection with each other. We thank you for creating the marriage union. It was your idea. And now we pray that you would help us keep our commitment to love each other in Jesus' name.